tonight. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's turn there this morning. Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, turn there. Hebrews chapter 9. And we'll read verses 11 through 15. Hebrews chapter 9, 11 through 15. This has uh, some of my favorite verses in it. I've <laughs> used these verses talking about the blood, but uh, I'd like to look at something else in these verses today. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15 say this. Hebrews 9, 11. But Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death... For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Let's pray again. Father, we just thank you again, Lord, for being good and merciful and gracious. And Lord, you are altogether lovely. Lord, you're the fairest of 10,000. You're the rose of Sharon. You're the lily of the valley. Uh, dear God, and you're so good. How can somebody know you, really know you, and not say, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Lord, thank you for that good song this morning. Thank you, dear God, for our, our young people and the talents uh, that you've given them. Just continue to bless them and use them. And uh, Lord, I thank you for, again and for each one that's fa faithful to be here today, each one that's faithful uh, to listen in. Lord, be with those that uh, uh, couldn't be here but wanted to be here. Lord, touch those uh, with sickness, with physical need. Uh, among us, dear God, please help them. Lord, we think of spiritual needs again, Lord. Uh, we don't want to assume everybody here saved or everybody listening in, but Lord, it should be a great day to be born again in the family of God. Work in that heart, open that heart, draw that one unto you today. Lord, we think of our lost loved ones. We think of people that we've uh, witnessed to and prayed for. And uh, dear God, uh, Lord, we'd sure like to uh, see some people, dear God, just give their life to you afresh and anew. Lord, even those that are saved, Lord, perhaps we know people that have uh, gotten sidetracked, they've gone astray. Lord, uh, bring them back uh, into the fold, we pray. And Lord, back to the house of God. And again, Lord, as we think about those that have been members of this church for 25, 30, 40 years, Lord, we thank you, Lord, what a great testimony that is. And Lord, these that have been married for so long, thank you, uh, dear God, that they're still together and they're still together in the house of God. And Lord, we thank you for that. And uh, Lord, bless them and those having birthdays this week. Lord, thank you for giving them uh, another year. Lord, we've indeed, we have so much to thank you for. Now again, help us today, Lord, as we look into the Word of God. Above all, glorify yourself and build your local church. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Uh, as we uh, look at this uh, verses, I want to focus on verse 14. And I want to begin by focusing on one particular word. Again, verse 14 says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience 
from dead works to serve the living God. Notice that word, uh, conscious, uh, uh, conscious. I can't remember, I was, something the other day just made me uh, think about this word, and I thought about this verse, and, you know, thank the Lord we have a conscience. You know, the conscience has been called uh, God's spy, <laughs> God's spy and man's overseer, or the watchman, the watchman, if you will, bestowed by God upon an individual the watchman bestowed by God upon an individual. Another one said this, conscious, the conscious is the testimony, is the testimony of the spirit in man's heart concerning his obligation to God. It gives testimony that man is accountable. Man is accountable. You know, I thank God that we have a conscious, even right, but lost people, that they have a conscious. I like this one. It says, the conscience, the conscience is what makes a little boy tell his mom what he did wrong. Can you identify with that, Isaiah? Maybe you can identify with this, Isaiah. The conscience is what makes a little boy tell his mom what he did wrong before his sister does. <laughs> you like that one, Isaiah? Right? It's what a little makes a little boy tell his mother what he did wrong before his sister does. See, I never had that problem. I had all brothers. So I tried to beat my brothers to the draw. Right? But I thinking about this, I believe the conscience is one of the clear indications that God does love sinners. The fact, you know, we can say, oh, you know, uh, we, how, how can I you tell people, well, God loves you? Well, how do I know God loves me? This is why I think this is a great verse for witnessing. People say, well, how do I know that God loves me? Well, of course, we're going to bring up Calvary. Well, you can say this. Have you ever felt guilty for anything you did? Well, you know, who has it, right? Well, that's a sign God loves you, amen, that, that he wants you to realize, amen, you did something wrong and that he's trying to get a hold of you, and he's trying to work in your heart and draw you unto himself. The fact of that, that shows that God loves sinners. Or we can lay it this way, the conscience is a, is a sign of grace to a lost man. I, thought, I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, the conscience is a sign of grace to a lost man that, again, when, he, when, he, when he's young, and he begin, now we know a conscience could be seared. We know that a conscience could be worn down once somebody's done something for a long time. They may not feel guilty about it. But listen, when they're young and they begin down that road and there's that conviction and there's that, oh, man, hope nobody saws me. Oh, I don't want my parents to find out about this. Listen, that's, that's a sign of God's grace in a lost person's life, amen, that he's trying to draw them, that they are lost, and that they are, they are spiritually dead, and yet God in His grace gave them a means to feel guilt. Men, listen, men know when they are doing wrong. Listen, uh, listen I guarantee you, when I was, I don't know what age I started stealing cookies, <laughs> you know, but whatever age I was, I knew, amen, I knew I was doing wrong. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says this, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, right? Giving out that truth, commending ourselves, look, to every man's conscience. Every man has that conscience in the sight of God. A conscience bears evidence, God in mercy, 
is watching over or, you know, the, Jesus said he came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. A conscience bears witness that Christ, that God, is seeking uh, the lost. And so uh, thank God that uh, even a lost man has a conscience, especially when they're young, and begin to do wrong. And so notice what it says. Uh, it says the conscience from what? Dead works. I want to focus on that thought, dead works for a moment. You see, because people do have a conscience, right, and they do wrong, what do people try to do? They try to find a way to soothe their conscience. They try to find a way to soothe their conscience. And one of the ways they do that is through dead works, through dead works. Now, to them, they don't think it's dead works. God calls these things dead works, but they try to find ways to uh, make themselves feel good or, you know, uh, uh, hey, I'm not so bad, and they do all these things, but God calls these things dead works. What are dead works? Works done in a, 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 by a natural man or a man which is still in a state of sin, right, spiritually dead, for they, they, they're things that we try to do to make ourselves look good, but because they, and they might even in one sense be good, if you say, might say that, but because they don't come from a living faith and a living love to God, God looks at them as dead works, right? Through religion, right? Through what they, they consider these things good. That's what religion is all about, good works. So the problem, again, what men consider good works, God considers dead works, Dead works. Titus 1.16 says this. They profess that they know God. Hey, listen, uh, billions of people around the world, right, profess they know God, right? Billions of people. But in works, they deny him. They say, well, oh, what? Uh, well, you know, a lot of people went to church today. A lot of people went to the synagogue today. A lot of people went to the mosque today. A lot of people went to their place of religion uh, around the world uh, throughout the works. But uh, uh, through this, in works, they deny him. And God's, here's what God says about those works. Being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. That word reprobate means something that's abhorred by God, unapproved worthless. So in works, because their works are dead to God. Dead works, again, are might be any work you try to do or try to bring before God, right, to uh, try and win his favor or, again, soothe your conscience about uh, 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 that you're okay and uh, you're not uh, this wicked sinner that the Bible tells you you are. Now, of course, in context here, uh, what Paul, when referring to here in Hebrews, is talking about, of course, the external ceremonies and rituals, right, that they, the, in the Old Testament, right? And, you know, that they're not under the law anymore, that God considers those things uh, now. And because the uh, Hebrews is a lot about contra contrasting those to the New Testament realities, right? Those were all types, eh? But now in Jesus Christ, you have the true, you have the true Lamb of God, you have the real blood, like it talks about here, amen? You have the real Redeemer. You don't need that veil uh, in the temple because Christ, amen, gave his body uh, as, uh, as a veil. So let's uh, look for a moment at some good examples of being a bad example. How's that sound? Let's get some good examples of being a bad example. Of course, when you can't think about dead works without thinking about Cain in Genesis 4. Genesis 4, where it talks about, of course, he and Abel. Genesis 4, uh, 1 through 7. Uh, say this in the Word of God. 
says, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. It's kind of funny, just within the last week, somebody called me and asked me why God didn't accept uh, Cain's offering. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So notice in these verses, Cain thought he brought good works, right? He said, man, listen, I, I worked hard and I grew these things. He thought he brought good works, but to God, they were dead works. Genesis 4, 5 again, it says, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. He had no respect. God didn't even consider him. And so it says, uh, Cain was wroth and God asked Cain in verse 6, why art thou wroth? If thou doest well, will thou not be accepted? Good question. God says, why art thou wroth? We, you know, we bring God our dead works and we get upset because he rejects them. We come out there and man, we're, we're good and we're nice and we do all these wonderful things and give to charity and help out you know, at, the, uh, 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 at the local rescue mission or whatever it is. And we do all these, man, we just think we're the stuff and we do all these nice things. Hey, look, man, I got a, I got a plaque for this. I got commended for this. And God says, listen, uh, uh, God says, well, yeah, those are dead works. Why? Because he's clearly told us what we must do to be accepted by him. He says there, if thou doest not well. So obviously Cain and Abel have been told what they should do to bring the right things before God, to please God, to have a relationship with God. But because they chose to do things their own way, at least Cain did, he was rejected. In the New Testament, of course, the Pharisees are good examples of being a bad example, right? The Pharisees are a good example of being a bad example. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 27, he says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like unto whited sepulchers, right? They look good before men, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Boy, they thought they looked good to themselves. They thought they looked good to others around them, but to God, they were full of dead man's bones. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. That's the key right there. Appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity before yourself, you see, before yourself and man, you may look good. But before God, all these works are dead works because again, the works are not based on anything living. They have no life. They are dead. Of course, one of the best examples we find in Luke 18, right? With the, between the Pharisee and uh, the publican. Look at those verses real quick. Luke there in Luke 18, where God gives a uh, parable, and he says this, beginning in verse uh, 9. Luke 18, beginning in verse 9. He says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, 
and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Notice again, verse 9, it says, He spake a parable unto certain look, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Boy, that is a definition of a religious person, right? All these people that went all these religious places uh, this week, what were they doing? They were trusting in themselves, hey, that they were uh, approved of God, that they were righteous. But verse 9 again says, trusted in themselves, again, that they were righteous. That says it all right there. They say they do it for God, but by their dead works, it shows they're trusting in themselves. Notice uh, what it said there in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, and you might as well say, and to himself, because I doubt that prayer uh, got very far with himself. His, notice what he mentions. You know, he talks about his separation, and God says, dead works. He talks about his attempt at holiness, but God says, dead works. In verse 12, he talks about fasting. God says, dead works. He talks about tithing. Dead works. But you say, oh, those things are in the Bible, right? Yes, but if you're not doing them for the right reason, how many times did God rebuke Israel in the Old Testament for doing all those things, but they didn't do it with a pure heart? They didn't do it to God's glory. And he said, it means nothing to me. Hey, that's right. We talk about being in a mosque or being at some temple. You can be sitting in a, a good old fashioned independent Baptist a, a church, right? But yet, uh, you've not yet accepted the Lord, or uh, you're, you're doing it to be seen of men, or you're, you're sitting here full of pride, or whatever the case might be. You got all your, your, your check marks off, but God knows your heart, and he says, dead works. But yet, verse 13, right, the publican, he walked away justified, right? Why? Because he had faith. He put his faith in the living God, which is not dead work. So his result was he left justified. Man's works bring not peace. They don't bring eternal life. They, they don't clean the conscience toward God, and they don't give you a relationship with God. But thank uh, God uh, when you get uh, saved. Well, Titus 3, 5 says this, not by works of righteousness. Hey, the works were even considered righteous, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. What? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Dead works. You see, Hebrews eleven six 6 says what? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and is reward of them that diligently seek him. You see, without faith, without the purpose of pleasing God, without doing it to glorify God, it's impossible, which means it can't be done. The living God, here's what he wants. The living God wants living works that come from a living faith which flows from a living saint that has been washed in the living blood of a living Savior. That is what God is looking for. You know, I, I believe there are a lot of people we know. You can, I'm sure if I said, hey, you can think of somebody right now that you know, a loved one, 
somebody you've maybe been witnessing to for a long time. Think about this. And you pray for them and you wonder what is holding them back. Why are they not yet saved? We ask what hinders them? Well, the answer may be they have a soothed conscience. (laughs) They have a soothed conscience. You see, they are not what we call, even if somebody met them, you know, they're not what we might call a, a, you know, wicked, vile sinner, right? That is looking outwardly. (laughs) We know everyone is inwardly if they're not saved. But outwardly, you wouldn't say, oh, man, you know, they're not into this, they're into that. You know, you might even say, "Uh, that's that's a good person. You know, if you met them, that's a nice person, right? And maybe they're even moral. And that's the... Uh, not to get off on politics, that's why you'd be careful about this moral majority thing. Hey, they may even be moral, but they're lost as can be. They're lost as can be. Why? Because they continually find a way to soothe their conscience with dead works. You're sitting there trying to, you know, uh, because we know we can't get them saved till we get them lost. And boy, that we just can't convince them they're lost because why? They keep somehow, they, in their mind and their heart, they think, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this and, or I'm not doing that. And they think of all these. They're going good work, good work, good work, right? But God's going dead work, dead work, dead work. Hey, just like, is it Matthew 7? Hey, Lord, we did all these things. He said, no, no. <laughs> Even though you use my name. He said, dead works, dead works. Didn't mean a thing. And so, uh, you know, you, you talk to these people. I, I think of people uh, that I, I witnessed to. Man, and I'm thinking, man, why can't they get it? Why? Because they won't look at what you're saying, right? They, they, they can't get their eyes on the works of Jesus Christ because they're so focused on their own works, their own good works, and they can soothe their conscience another day, another week, and put off Christ with their dead works. You see, but our conscience doesn't need to be soothed, amen? Uh, it needs to be purged. And that's what this verse talks about. Christ wants to purge, right, our conscience of these dead works. That word purge means to cleanse, to free from filth, purify from fear, guilt, alienation from him, and selfishness, which is the root of trying to justify yourself or soothe yourself with good works. You see, because when we believe Right When a person stops looking at their good works and looks to the finished works of Jesus Christ, their soul is saved, the living God comes in, and their conscience is purged from these dead works. We can now live with a clean conscience. Hebrews 10.22 says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Think about that. You say, well, you know, I don't got I don't feel guilty. My conscience is not bad. Well, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, amen, in his eyes, you have dead works and an evil conscience. And then our bodies washed with pure water. Acts 23, 1, Paul said this, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. And when he said that, right, he might've said that before he got saved. But he wouldn't have been telling the truth because it would have been based upon his religious works. But now that he's saved, when he said that, he wasn't looking at his religious works, right? He was looking at what he did when he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing to be able to say that publicly. Acts 24, 16, Paul said, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God 
and toward men. Not because he's looking at his own works, but amen, what Christ did in him and what Christ did through him. Verse Peter 3, 16, Peter said, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ because your life is now in Christ. The blood of Christ cleanses the conscience, brings life, brings peace, brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. Boy, that's what we need to try and convince those that we, we witness to. Hey, listen, oh yeah, I do this, I do this. Hey, listen, before God, if you're not saved, it doesn't mean anything. God looks at that, and while you're saying good works, you're chalking up good works, God's just chalking up more dead works, amen, that you are wasting your life on because you have not yet accepted Him. Verse 14, going back to Hebrews 9, notice how it starts off. How much more, of course, in verse 13, it talks about the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. And then verse 14 says, listen, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, says there, how much more? You see, everything done. We read about all those uh, uh, sacrifices in the Old Testament, and, you know, it's interesting to study, right? And they are a type of Christ. We see all those types, and, and we can learn things from them, and they're exciting to study. But in reality, all those things before Calvary, they were limited in their ability. They were limited in their ability and their scope. Only Christ sacrificed, not until Christ shed his blood, a man that still has power today was that we have a limitless sacrifice. And because Christ's sacrifice through his death, burial, and resurrection is limitless, that is why Christ and Christ alone has the ability to save all, to cleanse all, and to restore all. The best thing to do as we witness to people is let them know the best thing they can do is lay their dead works at the feet of Jesus and put their trust in the finished work of Jesus. Listen, you don't need dead works. You need the finished work of Jesus Christ, the living God. Put your trust in the living works of Christ and be purged from your dead works. So even you that are here this morning, as we finish up, I ask you, what are you trusting in this morning? Are you trusting in, and that's a good question to ask as you witness to people, are you trusting in dead works or the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes even once we're saved, we can get into dead works. Sometimes even believers trust in dead works, not for their salvation, but even they try, when they, when they, when they get off or they get sidetracked, even believers can be guilty of soothing their conscience by dead works. Listen, if you're not saved this morning, I ask you, listen, are you trusting in, are you, are you still trusting in your dead works or are you trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ? But even if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you may be guilty of even trusting in dead works. You know, we, we, we know we've done wrong. We know we did something we shouldn't do as a believer. Yet even we try to soothe it over by the fact, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in church or listen, I, I gave something to the church or I went out and witnessed this week or, you know, I read my Bible. You know, I, and even we sometimes can be guilty of trying to soothe our own conscience 
right? When we know there's things in our life that are not to be, and what do we do? Those things that would normally be, be good works before God, even those, even though we're saved, turn into dead works, right? Because we know there's things in our life that there ought not to be. That's why Hebrews 6.1 says this as we finish up. Therefore, leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of what? Repentance from dead works. Boy, if you're trusting in dead works, the best thing you can do today is repent of those dead works and put faith toward God. And notice again how verse 14 ends, because what is our goal? Again, uh, verse 14 together, how much more shall the blood of Christ, through who the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience. Boy, doesn't it feel good to have a clean conscience? Boy, isn't it so nice? Amen. If you're saved, to be able to lay your head head down at night. Boy, we look back, man, all those things we've been saved from. Boy, it feels so good to lay down. And boy, you know, nothing that song, the song says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Doesn't that feel so good to have that clean conscience? Who through the eternal spirit offered himself. You see, that's the difference. Offered himself. You see, all those all those sacrifices before, they didn't offer themselves, right? They were, you know, uh, that, that lamb couldn't control the fact that he was uh, uh, sacrificed, right? Uh, that goat or whatever, but Christ, that's the difference. He willingly offered himself. He willingly, without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works. Why? To serve the living God. Well, that song she played a little bit ago said it all, right? I'd rather have Jesus. Boy, that's where we need to be today. In, in, in the depths of your heart today, can you say, can you stand and say, oh, yes, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus. There's no greater joy than knowing Jesus and serving Jesus and knowing, amen, that you're right where you should be in your relationship with Jesus. So as we uh, get ready to pray, I ask you this morning, first of all, are you sure that you're saved and what are you trusting in? You say, well, I know. Listen, dead works of self or the living finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even as a, as, as a believer, hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. If you read your Bible this week, I'm glad. But how is your relationship uh, this morning? Did you something that should have been good works this week turn into dead works because you have something in your life? that you shouldn't have. Again, take these verses, great verses for witnesses to somebody. Let's pray.